Hello everyone, I hope you had a really good Pentecost. I must say that for me it was it was a little bit more meaningful because I had so much of resources available this time round. I could, in the comfort of my home, just uh, take part in an adoration and um, spend some time in in praise and uh, enjoying some praise and worship music. And yeah, so it was. I was just kind of soaking it in. Uh, I could have done more, but yeah. Uh, I hope it was. I'm sure it was for many of you. So, shall we move on to the readings for today? Very, very interesting. This morning, I decided to start off my day with the with the rosary, and in between my distractions, I really, my mind just uh, it just goes to a million things. While especially while I'm saying my rosary, especially when I'm doing my having my quiet time. But yeah, in between that, I managed to to do some meditation. So when I came to the third uh, mystery. I was thinking to myself, my gosh, seriously, God, you really know how you just treated this couple so badly. Here, with here, they were carrying your child, and 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 then she has to travel, has to travel on a donkey, and top that, you can't even give them. I mean, okay, give them a give them a stable by all means, but do they have to go from house to house? I was like complaining to God for Mary in case she did not do do this. Yeah, thank God, thank God, I was not Mary. I would have, it would have been a totally different narrative. But Our Lady is so amazing in the sense that how she just kept everything in her heart. And so Simeon says, no, a sword will pierce through your heart. Oh, sometimes we, oh, I speak for myself here, sometimes I really neglect her too much. And let's move on to Genesis. Hmm, interesting here. So what happens is um, Adam and Eve, right, they, are, they were hiding in the cool of the day. No need to hide because it's like so cool. You can just like walk around, uh, no clothes on, so yeah, free, just walk. But then they were hiding. And the amazing part of this, this whole discourse, how it starts off with the protagonist who is God, seeking out for man and woman. Where are you? And from the beginning, God, God shows himself as this desperate lover who is seeking out for us. They do not go seeking out for God. From, from, for God, They are hiding and God goes out looking for them and asking them, where are you? And then what does, what does the man say? He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Now notice one thing here, as I'm reading the sentence and I circled all the eyes in the sentence because Therein lies this first admission of the ego, of ego before God, of self before God. In this, in this sentence, when Adam says, you know, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was thinking to myself, my gosh, so many eyes. One eye could have been more than enough, but it, it brings our attention to the sense of self before God, where God is not in that sentence at all. He's somewhere, some, just, uh, yeah, just shuffled in between the sentence somewhere. But the I comes out very strong and very powerful. A strong lesson for, for us today, that when we become more 
important and when when we put our needs more important as more important than than anyone else's or God's that lies danger and he also says I was afraid now this one it says it's the first disclosure of shame and fear not evident before I had written this down in my Bible not evident before no before when they were just roaming free in the garden they were just enjoying God and enjoying all of creation there was no sense of shame no sense of fear but with sin came shame came fear and a whole host of and after you know, there's like like a pandemic you know all the other sins just flowed beautifully one after the other because after that just soon after that God asked this question who told you that you were naked it's like hmm? I did not tell you you were naked I looked at you you're beautiful you're good you are not naked and then God goes on to say have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat even God's sentence also does not have so much of eyes surprisingly then the man says the woman whom you gave to be with me she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate ah, again another sin creeps in the sin of arrogance you gave me you gave this woman this you gave this faulty product to me and see what has happened i'm in the clear then the lord god said to the woman what is it that you have done oh, and and you look at the conversation that the, the the side of the conversation that comes out from god it's it, it, there's so much of it's like as if there's so much of pain because because God does not even get into this argument with him you know God does not say excuse me if I was God I would tell no hello excuse me I gave you something which is good okay now don't don't you dare tell me that I gave you something that was faulty God does not even say that he deflects that question and he says he just looks at the woman then the Lord said to the woman what is it that you have done then the woman said the serpent beguiled me and I ate it just so human nature such a human nature but we start from very small what did you do mommy not me just the other person so it's just always us to justify ourselves we are I am the absolute truth the nothing can be wrong with me and then the Lord God said to the serpent because you have done this cursed are you above all cattle and I, I was amazed when I read this morning right about that this are the the response that God gives like the God does not even ask Satan why did you that he does not even engage in a this guy actually it's not Satan here the snake according to my commentary is not Satan although later interpretations um, it says that it was a mischievous creature made by God and dramatically necessary to awaken in the woman a desire to eat of the forbidden fruit after this he recedes into the background because his narrative function is accomplished so I'll come to that in a while so what what God does is that he at once looks at Satan and again I see a father you know like even a parent like why did you do this no the child says no my friend told me friend why did you do this oh and then God does not even 
God does not, God just accepts the answer and says, and just curses the, the creature here. Cursed be you. Cursed be you. And on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat. So, there is no dialogue here. And, and no engaging with the evil. And sometimes we, it's a very important lesson for us. That we cannot engage in, in the evil. All our engagement has got to be directly with God. Not the evil forces. Uh, and the serpent engages in a conversation with God, but here, suddenly notice the, the serpent is very silent. Here he's mute. He's met. He knows who God is. Sadly, Adam and Eve did not. They could, they could counter God's argument. The creature did not even dare do so. It just slips away from this whole narrative. And coming back to this whole narrative, some, I've always asked myself, and I've also heard a few people ask this question, why? Why the sin? Why God put that creature in the garden? Why, could, why he did this thing? If not, Adam and Eve could have lived happily. But then again, this is the, the Bible itself. It's such a beautiful narrative. And everyone knows in a narrative, there's got to be a, 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 there's a protagonist, there's an antagonist, there's a rise, there's a falling action, there's a lot of drama. This is necessary and I, and it's reminiscing of what we sing at Easter, oh happy, oh necessary sin, oh happy fault. Because if this did not happen, Jesus would not have come into the picture. So we look at this whole narrative and we enjoy the fact that, that I mean not enjoy I think you know what I mean here, right? I mean, but just, just, just excite in the fact that this necessary sin called for the whole salvation history unfolding, and we are in this beautiful, beautiful, powerful. Imagine going and watching a movie, and everything from the beginning happy until the end. There's no climax, anti-climax. There's no fight between the good and evil. You'd be like, ah, boring. You just come off. But here, God gives this, this powerful antagonist and we are here. And the best part is that we already know the end. The end is victory on our side. End is victory on, on God's side. So we are on the right track. And this is a beautiful, powerful drama that we are oh, just, 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 just snapped into. So enjoy this, this drama of life. Enjoy this narrative. Knowing that we are victorious, we are conquerors. We don't need to hide. This is it, people. This is it. Get into the battlefield knowing that victory is ours. And then we move on to the gospel of today. It's, the, it's this very beautiful, touching scene where uh, Jesus looks at Mary and he says, he says, uh, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near to his mother, he said, woman, behold your son. And the word, and the, 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 the noun woman itself, it, who was woman in the Old Testament? It was Eve. 
This is woman, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. I shall call her woman. And then Jesus at the, at the wedding of Cana, he says, woman. He does not say mother. Was Jesus trying to say something? Obviously he was. And it did not strike me until I did all my, I did had, had all these corrections and he's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. My commentary helped me, my CCC helped me. Woman. And even, um, where else? At, at Cana. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jesus says, says, you know, woman, behold your son. And then he looks, uh, he said to his disciples, behold your mother. And I, and, and I, I have always thought to myself, I'm sure John would have had his own mother. I, I don't know whether she was dead or alive. But Jesus was not telling, hey, forget about your own mother and this is your mother from now onwards. But there was something higher than this. There's definitely something higher than this. That she is the mother of all. That Mary is the mother of all. She is, she cannot replace, no. She, your own mother is your mother, biological mother. But you have, a, but you and I have this higher mother whom Jesus is entrusting is sharing his mom with us and says behold your son behold your mother and from that hour the disciple took her to his own home now after that it moves on to to fulfill scripture Jesus said I thirst uh, a bowl full of vinegar stood there so he put a sponge uh, of vinegar on his sop and very interestingly his sop according to my CCC, it says that hyssop is a branch that they used to, uh, in the Old Testament, they used to splatter the blood of the lamb and they used to take the hyssop branch and put it on their lamp posts. But I'd, I'd really recommend that you watch the fourth cup by Dr. Scott Hahn because he says something very, 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 very crucial here because he says, Jesus' last words, when he had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. What was finished? Now, Scott Hahn says, explains it so beautifully and I don't think I can do justice to this, but very quickly, he says it is finished. It was the last supper that was started in on, on Monday Thursday, which had to have all these different cups which were drunk at different times of the meal. But Jesus and his disciples in Mark they, they leave off hurriedly without having the the taking this cup. And then the cup was given to him again at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, Father, take this cup away from me. The cup only finished after Jesus' crucifixion, because that was when the lamb was slaughtered that was when the lamb was offered and eaten so the fourth cup was only finished when jesus said says this words it is finished and again here i'm just giving this very diluted version but please take the time to listen to scott hans the fourth cup and then you will understand in greater depth what was this whole in some there's so much of symbolism and this in these words it is finished and he bowed his spirit and gave up he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And I'd like to end here this out with this final thought that this church is so rich in what she has to offer. The church, our mother, Mary, our mother, so much of parallels between the church and Our Lady. But just let's just end this with this prayer. Father, I pray that even as we um, go through this day that we will Teach us, Lord, so, so many exciting things that you're trying to tell us and give us this, this uh, fervor to read and to understand scripture and to really digest and to eat it so that the word of God can nourish us today. Let us be constantly be flooded with your holy thoughts, with your inspirations. Mother Mary, 
thank you for being our mother and thank you for being so patient with us and help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you.